This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position. From its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is Kyler Murray. This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. He broke his ankle. He is Houdini. Touchdown. Patrick Mahomes with a rope. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami. All right, guys, welcome back to the Established Pass podcast presented by Clutch Points and our friends at Blue Wire. I am your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan. And no, we are not back on this episode to discuss my pick of the Cowboys making the Super Bowl, uh, but we probably will because uh, week one brought us uh, a lot of interesting developments, uh, at least in Sunday's games, of course. Dylan, we're recording this um, on Monday as the uh, Steelers and Giants are playing here. We've still got the Titans and Broncos to go, but it was a uh, an eventful Sunday, I guess you could say, in the NFL. Uh, lots of great action. Uh, Dylan's teams all won the Rams, the Bills, um, everyone else. Uh, so it was uh, quite qu- quite a day of football, wasn't it? Yeah, my, my new team this year, the Lions, unfortunately did not. But, yes, <laughs> my my mainstay is with the Rams and obviously the Bills finding a way. Not that the Bills had any choice but to win with how bad uh, the Jets looked. But, yeah, the Lions game, it should, it should have been in the bag as well. I'm sure we'll get to that. But, yeah, a lot of it was just – it felt more normal than I kind of thought it might going into the day. Like Maybe it's just because of the, the angle on TV. You don't see the, the crowd. So, even though, yeah, you're missing the stands, you're missing the fans when you see, like, the side angles – Overall, from like most of the time when you're on red zone, there's not enough time to think about it, and it was working fine. So, yeah, yeah I thought it was it was fun. A lot of close games as well. So, yeah, definitely had a, a great time, and yeah, looking forward to talking about all these games. Yep. And what we'll do is, um, if you're a regular listener, as we talked about in our previous episode, we're kind of switching our format in terms of uh, how we're doing our game picks and such, uh, betting locks, upsets, all that each week. Uh, where we each uh, pick our game of the week, we pick our betting locks, we pick our upset, 
and then we do some quick picks for the others. So we're just going to go back in that same format, go through the games we picked uh, in those specific categories, and then just run through them as well. And obviously we'll talk more about some of the ones we, we didn't talk about as much uh, in the preview just because uh, there were some really good games in there mm-hmm. and had some pretty uh, fascinating results uh, for week one. So let's officially call this the start of overreaction uh, for week one in the NFL in the 2020 <laughs> season because here we go. The Packers and the Vikings. Uh, we're all ready now to switch our picks oh, on the Packers and the Vikings when it comes to uh, the winner of the NFC North. Dylan and I both picked the Vikings, and uh, I guess now we have to switch our picks because the Packers win that game 43-34 to in just a, a wild, wild game, uh, the highest scoring game of the day. Um, and really – it was one where, my goodness, there were so many points put up in the fourth quarter. I think they combined to put up 38 points in the fourth quarter in that game. Uh, <laughs> and yet the Vikings scored 24 in the fourth quarter and still lose by nine. Not ideal. Aaron Rodgers, 32 of 44, 364 yards, four touchdowns. Devontae Adams, I'm telling you right now, Dylan, aside from Christian McCaffrey, I think Devontae Adams was the biggest no-brainer in the history of fantasy football yeah. going into the season, knowing what his role was going to be. However... They got some help. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Al Lazard. That's what we were wondering about with the Packers, what kind of help they would get elsewhere. Uh, that's There's no other way to put it. Like It's a very impressive opening season win for the Packers against the Vikings team that we thought we were going to say that defense is going to carry them, but Packers went and scored 43 on them. Yeah, it was it was ugly, and I know there have been a decent amount of turnover with the Vikings defense that we kind of ignored with the you know, picking them to win the division. I don't know if I would definitely flip my pick uh, this early because, I mean, the Packers defense definitely had uh, more than its fair share of issues. But, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers definitely looked fantastic, uh, not just obviously the, his ability, but just the decision-making, everything, the offense was working so fluidly. And, yeah, like you said, with Devontae Adams, fantasy-wise, uh, I mean, we knew his target share was going to be huge, just like it was last year. Obviously, had some struggled with a couple injuries here and there. But, man, it was quite the quite the sight to watch him going. It worked out well for me, uh, fantasy-wise, with the Vikings getting all those garbage time points with uh, Dalvin Cook and Thielen yep. racking up quite a bit. So, yeah, that was – yeah, that game was like – if you're, you're a fantasy owner, it was fantastic um, in terms of what you're going to get there. Uh, in terms of – I know we talked about Lazard being possibly – one of the best sleepers ended up having a pretty solid week, but yeah, Marquez Valdez Scantling too, I think kind of on, on that same kind of level uh, definitely was used, had the same number of receptions there with a couple more targets in Lazard. So both those guys, I think definitely have some fantasy val- fantasy values. We go through to the end of this when we talk about our waiver wire pickups. Yep. They are probably going to be right there in terms of uh, guys. You definitely want to keep an eye on it. And I forgot to mention this a second ago. We're starting of course with our games of the week. Uh, we, we picked this in terms of our two games of the week. I picked the Packers and the Vikings. And uh, now we go to our second game of the week that we picked, which was the Cowboys and the Rams. And, uh, of course, I made the, uh, you know, the, the comment about picking the Cowboys to make the Super Bowl. Well, if the Cowboys, um, two significant injuries, uh, and now they lose a game in a way that was just, I think for a lot of Cowboys fans, was not something you want to see in terms of uh, Mike McCarthy's uh, decision-making there late. But the Rams, I mean, Dylan, I, I did send you a message as the game was going on about how I'm still not sold on these Rams white uniforms, um, and I just don't think I'm going to be. And, and I, yeah. you, you made the remark that they should not be wearing their, their white uniforms at home because for me, when I was watching, I mean, the stadium is just fantastic. There's no other way to put it. But 
when I'm watching this, it feels like I'm watching it at AT&T Stadium, like it's a Cowboys home game, and of course the Cowboys wear their white at home, so uh, it, it was a little bit different, but what else can you say? Like the Rams, that's a that's a good start for the Rams, and, and maybe when we talk about the other teams uh, in this division, maybe it's one step towards getting all four of these teams in the playoffs because uh, there were some pretty impressive performances uh, for a lot of these teams, Rams included here, with this win. I mean, they're going to cannibalize themselves in the division with all their matchups. So that's the main reason I find it tough that all four are going to get in, although I still obviously predicted that three of them would get in. And, yeah, it was definitely – while there was some decision-making by Sean McVay in terms of his aggressiveness on early downs, I just felt like there were quite a few drives where they got a little too conservative. But otherwise, I mean, way more screens, way more uh, kind of stuff that we saw in 2017-18 that we kind of went away from last year. Obviously, Malcolm Brown had a big game, but the offensive line definitely looks better. I wouldn't say they they put them in a lot of positions where they wouldn't be successful. They threw the ball a ton. Uh, they were a lot, lot more aggressive with their run blocking, ran more like power. They weren't running just always the, the same kind of outside uh, zone blocking scheme that they usually do that's kind of in their trademark. They're, they mix it up a bit. So, yeah, it was, even though they barely win and obviously with a, a call that was pretty bad at the end there, they could have gone to overtime. Um, but, but despite that, I was definitely happy with their performance against the Cowboys defense, which we have our doubts about when we, even though we're so high on their offense. For Dallas, yeah, the, the big concern moving forward, obviously the offense line already was banged up. You get more injuries and it's just, yeah. and then they lose Jarwin for the season. It's going to be, it's going to be rough for them. Uh, <laughs> if their offensive line can't be a top five, six unit, obviously still intrigued by the talent that they have. Um, but it definitely wasn't as uh, excited about the play calling from McCarthy. I, I didn't mind the going for it uh, down there. Yeah. I mean, you're still going to have to score twice to win the game. <laughs> like, you know, like, and, but if you score, if, if you kick the field goal, right, you, you can yeah. tie the game, but then you're going to have to score again to win. But unlike, you know, right now it's fourth and three. I mean, they, they were, you felt like they were going to be able to get it. Obviously a great play by Jordan Fullard, who I, throughout the game, even before that tackle like, on that fourth down stop, I was, remarking just talking to my girlfriend like how good he looked for a six-round pick and yeah man a lot of safety is taken in front of him I know they talked about him a lot leading up to the season but definitely Jordan Fuller played a lot more than even uh, Taylor Rapp in certain sets so uh, definitely definitely an entry by the defense for uh, Staley for his first game calling in the NFL it, it looked pretty good but I guess you could argue that the Cowboys also definitely got a little conservative at points with their play calls. They tried – it was like you could see them throwing on more earlier downs. I think they're fourth in terms of throwing on first and second down of all the teams yesterday. But it just – there was still something lacking, and it, it had a feel of like, is this just kind of the, the same McCarthy we saw in the last couple of years in Green Bay? Is, uh, but I think Dallas will be fine. And I, I take more away that the Rams are on that level of being a fringe playoff team. Um, you know, that, that's more of my takeaway that they're, they actually have what it takes to get to the playoffs and more convinced that they can stand up with the better teams that they're going to face. Then I'm discouraged by the Cowboys. I still, I still think the Cowboys will bounce back. Yep, I hope so for my Super Bowl pick. Uh, we will see. But, uh, yeah, of course, Leighton Vander Esch seems like probably out six to eight weeks, broken collarbone. That doesn't help either. Um, so Cowboys just uh, ooh, not, not a great start in terms of uh, how the game turned out and just the injuries. Mm-hmm. Not ideal uh, for my Super Bowl uh, pick there. Not my winner, but uh, my Super Bowl pick. All right, let's go to our betting locks of the week, which we had. Now, let's revisit those. Uh, of course, one of them is going on right now, which we're not even going to talk about because the Steelers and the Giants yeah. are playing. <laughs> um, and that was uh, Dylan's betting lock of the week, uh, pick the Steelers. And that one, I picked the Bills at six and a half. And if you go back and listen to what we said, 
I was not very confident about that. But as soon as this game kicked off, all of a sudden my confidence went through the roof <laughs> because it was very clear from the very beginning that the New York Jets are not going to be very good this season. And while you looked at the score of that game, very deceiving. Like, it felt like yeah. this game was never at any point even close. And, of course, 27-17 to 17 was the final. But I think aside just from some miscues for the Bills – um, this game, I don't know, like it, one of the most lopsided 10-point games I think I've seen uh, because it just felt like the mm-hmm. Jets were just, you know, Le'Veon Bell's injury, uh, that doesn't help that team either. We already knew kind of offensively what they were going to look like. But, man, it's just it's one of those things where at this point, throw the ball to Jameson Crowder 40 times a game and just hope for the best because the Jets aren't very good and for the Bills – Josh Allen, I mean, they, there's still some accuracy issues there, I think. But overall, if you look at it from a fantasy perspective, um, man, you, we, you should be drafting this guy. Like, you should have drafted him very high because uh, he's clearly going to do a lot. And, uh, you know, a nice win for the Bills. But I don't, I don't, I still don't know exactly what to expect from the Bills just because I think this is more about the Jets just aren't very good. So, <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much we learned about Buffalo. I mean, not that we didn't already – or things we didn't already know. We have confidence in that defense. Josh Allen fits really well with Stephon Diggs, and yeah. I thought it was encouraging to watch some of the throws he made and obviously great running the ball as well. The, the Bills did not run the ball well uh, with their running backs, but that can be attributed to the one thing the Jets did really well last year and they did well to start this year, which is defend <laughs> the run. But that is basically the only thing yeah. uh, that they do well. and. Yeah, I'm mean, definitely concerned about every part of them. I mean, we obviously had no uh, no hope for them. We listed them down with the Jaguars as one of the teams that we think could be one of the worst in the NFL. And, yeah, it's 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 got to be brutal for Jet fans that have been waiting so long for anything to happen. And it's just like here we are with Sam Darnold going through into the you know middle years of his rookie deal and you're still not taking that jump, whereas you see – yeah, even though the the Dolphins lose and there's a lot of concerns with them, they they have an upward ticket and you feel good about their culture. Obviously, the Bills have a great culture, so it's a uh, it's it's got to be rough to be a Jets fan, man. Yeah, not good. Um, so I, I oof. yeah, not not good for the Jets. Um, so that's that's that. And uh, as we said, we'll, we'll revisit uh, Dylan's uh, lock of the week pick for the Steelers, depending on how this game turns out against the Giants. All right, let's jump into the upsets of the week. Um, I started with the Bengals against the Chargers, and, well, I was feeling really good about it on the final drive uh, when the uh, the Bengals <laughs> seemed to be in a position to score a touchdown. I thought Joe Burrow, you know, aside from, I think, just that one where he tried to make something out of nothing, flip the ball, and I think it was – was it Melvin yeah, Ingram that maybe it got was, the yeah. – Yeah, I think Melvin Ingram got the interception. And aside from that, I mean, I thought he looked pretty good. As we said, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Chargers defensively, like they they were going to present some challenges, and they did. Uh, but I still thought, you know, I just thought Burrow looked pretty good in terms of just being his first game and, and really that late drive. Like that's – and A.J. Green talked about it uh, afterwards. He just, you know, kind of said that's – the guy was cool, calm. Like that's what you want. And they had their chances. Of course, you, if you make the field goal, it goes to overtime. You don't know what happens. But um, he he played very well, I thought. But all in all, like it's a, it's a good start to the season for the Chargers because we know they were one of those teams too going into the season where – Look, we didn't know what to expect from them. Uh, I didn't. I don't think it was just a you know mm-hmm. a, a mind blowing performance by any means. But to go on the road uh, <laughs> to win a game, that game was a little ugly at times. But uh, hey, give the Chargers credit; they're one or no. Yeah, I had some Charger friend fans that were just like, "Where's Justin Herbert?" They felt like uh, <laughs> yeah. Tyrod just wasn't playing that well. I thought he was fine at certain points, but definitely not 
the most impressive performance. I was definitely – I thought the Bengals' defense looked better than I expected. Obviously, this is one game against an offense that, with a lot of changing factors for the Chargers. But uh, at least running the ball, though, the Chargers did look pretty good. I think Josh Kelly fits really well into a, the kind of the Melvin Gordon role uh, and had a lot of usage. So definitely got to keep an eye on Eckler. Still pretty dynamic. But uh, overall, I mean, yeah, the biggest takeaway if you're a Bengals fan, I don't, obviously you'd want to get a win in Joe Burrow's debut. That'd be a great memory to look back on. But I still think you look at, as you mentioned, that last drive, some of the things he did really well. And it just feels like if you're a Bengals fan, you, you feel really confident about having Joe Burrow, your quarterback of the future. Now it's just figuring out everything else. The offensive line is still a mess. <laughs> uh, but I do like the weapons, obviously. And I mean, it was a rough day for John Ross, though. That was uh, his definitely yeah. trending a little bit down there. But A.J. Green looked great. He looked healthy. Um, uh, I thought at some points when Tyler Board was targeted, he looked pretty good, too. But overall, yeah, uh, for the Bengals, again, this year is not so much about <laughs> – uh, you know, making a playoff run by, or anything crazy, but you want to develop Burrow, want to develop the team around him, and I think it's an overall promising game for them and for the Chargers. Yeah, for a team that lost basically every one score game they found themselves in last year, finding what, what you got to win these games, even if it's yeah. <laughs> even if it's a team missing a field goal, usually it's them missing those uh, easy field goals to force overtime. So Chargers yeah. will take it, but in, it, definitely intrigued to see how long do the Chargers wait. Say they get a few more wins here and they're feeling like they they have a shot at one of those wild card bursts. Do, do they make the switch to Justin Herbert? Is he ready? And I, I don't know if that's the fact, but we'll see how Tyrod bounces back. They're going to have a tough game next week, I believe, against the Chiefs. So uh, we'll see how he's able to perform there. Yep, I do know the Bengals, too. Uh, just just go for it on fourth down. Just let Burrow do his thing. <laughs> just just go for it. Let's see what happens uh, with that. But uh, also, the other upset pick of the week, uh, 0 for 2 here. As uh, <laughs> Dylan's upset at the pick of the week was the Bucks beating the Saints. Saints came out, looked like the team we thought they they would be this season. Uh, pretty impressive performance, I thought, from the Saints. Uh, they went at 34-23. And, and really, you know, uh, everybody talking about Tom Brady and, and all that and, and some of the, the miscues and everything. I mean, it's his first game with a new team. I don't know if that's surprising uh, to mm-hmm. see them be a little off in some areas. I thought Ronald Jones actually looked pretty good running the ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, his stat line, 17 carries, 66 yards. But I think overall he looked pretty good. And that worries me about uh, taking a chance on Leonard Fournette in my, mm-hmm. in my family fantasy league because uh, he had five carries for five yards and that's not going to get it done um but overall you know the michael thomas entry that's obviously something that you have to look at uh certainly whether you're a saints fan or a fantasy owner like me of him uh because it seems like it, it's it's it was not as bad as it could have been yeah. uh overall you know camara wasn't really you know 12 carries for 16 yards and a touchdown but yet he caught five passes 51 yards and a touchdown Latavius Murray he's going to be a part of this offense we knew that going in I just think the the versatility with the Saints team on offense and of course their defense Mm -hmm. look really good at times um I don't know like this was one where I don't really think we knock either team either way Uh because we were already very high on the Saints right and I think for the Bucs we knew this was going to be a challenging game so I don't really know that there's a lot to take away from this for me for the Bucks. Yeah, I mean it's their first game they didn't have preseason. We've already talked about all yeah. the all the adjusting. I mean, and obviously you hope Evans is healthier and looks better than he was because it was it was pretty brutal there. But yeah. overall, I mean, I didn't think like this like you said the Saints' offense like they put up 34 points. Obviously, seven of those aided by a pick six, another late 
um, score there. So, or like, I guess it, they almost just got that late score with Kamara. But yeah, the running the ball was pretty brutal. And I, I think we we knew that going into the year that that was going to be one of the biggest strengths for Tampa Bay's defense. They had an amazing run defense. So definitely good to see that kind of carry over. I, but again, yeah, I don't know how much we learn from this game. I, my takeaways are that, you know, the Buccaneers are still kind of early in getting this offense system, you know, going at full speed. There were moments where Tom looked good, other moments where he did not look good, not just the pick six, but some other missed throws. So it's just, it's definitely learning through the kinks. I think he took some more hits than he might have. Uh, that was kind of what he's used to in New England with their system, but also just the offensive line and that strength. So it was a tough matchup for Tampa's offensive line against a pretty, pretty stout group there in New Orleans. So yep. yeah, just, I mean, I'll, I'll, I think we'll learn a lot more the second time these teams play. I just, there's, there's so much time for both of these teams to grow. I don't think either of them were at their best selves and, uh, they'll definitely, I think, as the year progresses, get scarier and scarier on both sides because the talent for both teams is just great. So maybe it didn't live up to my – yeah, maybe it's a good thing I, I kept it as my upset of the week instead of my game of the week. But yep. if I flipped those, you know, I could have gotten my Rams pick correct. You know, I did pick the Rams to win, but they weren't my upset of the week. So, yep. uh, But, I, yeah, it wasn't – it did not for me. I, I found myself paying more attention uh, at certain points to the Bengal uh, Charger game and the Niners and Cardinals, which is not what I expected going yep. into the day. Yeah, I was the same, and uh, it wasn't just because I have Joe Burrow in the Clutch Points Fantasy League, but uh, I did. I was just, I was very fascinated to see kind of how his first game goes. So we know the Saints and the Bucks are going to be good this season, and something else is good, and that is uh, our new sponsor here, Pepsi. Uh, this football season will be different, but Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, of course, Dylan and I always watching our fantasy teams. We're keeping an eye on everything with the Red Zone Channel. Uh, we're keeping up with it all, and you know what? If you just crack open a nice Pepsi. It really helps you when your fantasy team is not doing well. Although Dylan and I would not know anything about that this week because we're both winning and uh, we're both dominating the competition. However, we love Pepsi and Pepsi's the reason we're doing it. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi is made for watching football. And uh, our friends at Indeed, uh, even though sports had a break, uh, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring, and you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, just like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half more time, three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. All right, Dylan, let's get into uh, our quick picks. And uh, as we said, we'll spend a little bit more time 
on some of these than others. Probably won't spend a ton mm-hmm. of time on this first one, which we both picked <laughs> the Chiefs to beat the Texans. Of course, that was from Thursday night. Um, anything in particular that stood out for you in that game? I think it was just your usual. Chiefs are really good. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, as we said, uh, mm-hmm. I, if you didn't pick him in fantasy, I don't know what you were thinking because, my goodness, 25 carries, 138 yards, touchdown. He's the guy. Um, I don't know. Chiefs are just good. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I mean, the main takeaway is Will Fuller's uh, target share <laughs> yes. is a lot higher for fantasy football. So if you are if you if you have Will Fuller on your team, good for you. I think it, that's probably going to stay even if, if Brandon Cooks gets healthier and he's a bigger part of that offense. Uh, still going to be huge there. But yeah, for the Chiefs, obviously Clyde living up to the billing, and but their offensive line looked obviously they add in a simile, but they're they're so physical and. I was really impressed with the Chiefs offensive line. Of course, the Texans were have a lot of concerns with their defense. So <laughs> it wasn't a ton that we learned. I just almost felt like, and we'll see against some other offenses that the Chiefs defense plays. But the Chiefs defense, if anything, looked like as they, you know, as they improved last year as the year went on, it's only continued, and their offensive line looks better. I mean, is it the only thing you could maybe bank on? Is are they going to be a little too conservative running the ball more than they would because they have such a, a dynamic running back in Clyde? I don't yeah. know, man. They're they're scary and poss- and honestly looking better somehow. So that's that was my biggest takeaway, really. Yep, they're good. And a team that's not playing so well right now, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh-huh. Uh, I will tell you, Blue Wire, we did our – we've sent in all of our, our yearly picks and awards and everything. And, of course, I will say uh, that we did – we would do. We did a surprise team and most disappointing team. Now, my surprise team was the Browns, which we're going to get to here in just a second. That was not exactly a great pick either. Uh, but my disappointment team, disappointing team was the Eagles. And right now, I mean, you look at the way they started this season. Man, that was uh, – and listen, that's why we stayed away from that game, wasn't it? And our, our pick for the um, – we were going to say, like, could that be a potential lock of the week? Well, it's a good thing it wasn't because the, the – I'm about to set it again. Washington – 27 to 17 winners against the Eagles. Uh, come back all the way back there to get the win. Ooh, and you've got a stat, Dylan. On uh, listen, if you're looking for a defense in fantasy, their stock is never going to be higher right now uh, than this Washington team's. Yeah, it's only one game, obviously. So uh, <laughs> I always obviously am citing DVOA for looking at as the course of the season goes on, the data gets more and more accurate in terms of because each game obviously is kind of yeah. an outlier. So, but yeah, through through one week <laughs> one, here we are. I mean, we'll see based on what the Steelers do tonight. Although they just gave up a pretty long touchdown, but based uh, on what the Steelers do tonight, maybe the you know, Titans or Broncos. I don't think they're going to unseat the Redskins as or the Washington Football Team as the number one DVOA defense through week one, which is hilarious but they I mean they had eight sacks and forced three turnovers yeah. and uh, that defensive front did look scary I mean obviously the the Eagles offensive line has so many injuries it's going to be interesting for them next week against Aaron Donald but uh, yeah I mean Chase Young looked great the whole defense looked really good I don't think the offense did anything spectacular they were fine at certain points but not that we had really any expectations for Washington's offense but definitely that defensive line I think if you're uh, you know moving forward for Washington if you're a fan of that franchise that's got to be encouraging for you is that's uh, obviously on defense. Um, if you can have a good defensive front and they're all pretty young, I mean, that's something that you can kind of build on as you move forward. But the takeaway, I feel like at the end of the day, has to be still on the Eagles and how disappointing this has to be. It's kind of the opposite of what happened last year in week one. They were down 17-0 at home to to Washington and came back and won that game. Now they're up 17-0 and end up blowing it to Washington. Uh, just, yeah, the offensive line looked brutal. They could not run the ball outside. of I mean, Wentz had some pretty good throws early, but as the game went on, it got brutal. 
it, it wasn't always his fault. I mean, he was just had pressure in his face constantly, and it's going to be an issue for them throughout the year. And definitely concerned about uh, you know it's one game, but for Philadelphia, I mean, if they if they keep having all these guys down and. Obviously, Jalen Rager has the one big catch, and he needs to be probably a bigger part of this offense because right yeah. now it was uh, you're going to have to probably adjust to that offensive line. And they obviously they they do run a decent amount of twelve with two really good tight ends, but I, sometimes those guys are probably going to have to stay in and block, which I you know not exactly their strong suit. Really get great receiving uh, tight ends there, but uh, I think you're going to have to have some additional protection. Man, it was not pretty. Dallas Goddard must start in fantasy at this point. Of course, I have to start him in the Clutch Points League, but uh, he's – I don't know, man. I think he's I – mean, they don't have any other choice, right? Like, they, they have to throw to, to these guys, like yep. tight end, and, and that's kind of where they're at. So, big win for Washington, there's no doubt. Um, not a good not a good loss for the Eagles. So, Patriots and Dolphins, uh, this was kind of one of those games for me that was just there. Like, there wasn't really <laughs> anything noteworthy. Um, you know, I – I don't know. Like we we didn't expect the Dolphins to come out and score a bunch of points against Patriots defense. Cam, I thought Cam looked pretty good, but I mean it's yeah. the Dolphins, right? It's just this is another one of those really, and we said this about the Bills and Jets. Like this just the AFC East. Like I don't know what to expect, um, but this was just one of those games. Eh, it was just kind of there, and I, and I don't really know. There's a ton to take away from either one of them, except for when is two finally going to get the start? So. Yeah, I'd be maybe if you're concerned if you're a owner of any Patriot running backs because yeah, the yeah. Uh, that if if anything I was surprised about was just the sheer amount of times they had Cam on designed runs with yeah. 15 carries with mostly designed plays and uh, but I feel like they picked the right spots with high leverage situations uh, they weren't really forcing it just to do it all the time and force the hits like he was getting you know fourth and one design runs where they have the fullback clearing and. Uh, pulling through and yeah, yeah. so it was uh, I he looked good but again like you said it's the Dolphins and yeah the the Tua watches on a lot of people on Twitter calling for Tua yesterday yeah so uh, we'll see when he finally gets named the starter the biggest surprise and this is one that uh, we also stayed away from when it came to uh, picking our lock of the week and it's funny because we actually said you know what we don't want to pick this one because strange things happen in week one and uh, sure enough the Jacks are now the favorite in the uh, the AFC South, our, our division, starting <laughs> off the season in no other way. I mean, this is just the, the best way, right? You, you have the team that I picked in my bowl predictions to be the worst team in the NFL, starts off the season with a pretty impressive win against the Colts. Um, and uh, look, I, I don't know, man. I just, I thought the Colts, they had their chances in this one, but yep. the Jags look pretty good. And I, I really don't know how I'm saying that, but I, you know, watching this game, staying, you know, up to date with it and keeping an eye on things. Gardner Minshew goes 19 of 20 for 173 yards and three touchdowns. It doesn't get much more efficient than that. Um, if you had James Robinson as uh, the leading rusher in this game, uh, pat yourself on the back because he was the leading rusher at 16 carries yeah. for 62 yards. What a, I mean, look, fantasy wise, I don't, I don't want any part of this except I do have DJ Chark and he caught a touchdown, which is great. But man, uh, what do you say about this Jags team getting a win? And of course, on the other side, Marlon Mack out for the season. Uh, that's no, a, brutal. that's yeah, that's brutal for the Colts. But we did say, I mean, the way things started, you know, Naheem Hines was getting a lot of carries. Mm-hmm. He's getting a lot of involvement in the passing game. And now Jonathan Taylor is the man. He's the starter. He's the guy going forward. Uh, he had nine carries for 22 yards in this game. Uh, but he did have a big play in the passing game, which that is something that I don't know that we necessarily expected mm-hmm. a ton of. So for the Colts, not a good way to start the season. Uh, but for the Jags, man, give give the Jags credit. They they came out. Yeah. And they found a way to win this game. So, 
Yeah, maybe it wasn't uh maybe it wasn't my the Chargers that can't, couldn't win close games. Maybe it's Philip Rivers. I don't know, man. It was it was Uh-oh. interesting to watch. And there were points where they looked like the offense was looking great, and the offense line was giving him plenty of time. And then other points where he it just wasn't uh, still something missing. So we'll see as the year goes on. I mean, they did. Looking at it is a weird kind of box score to look at. The, the Colts have over 200 yards more than the Jaguars <laughs> by the end of the game. They didn't sack. Yeah. They only got one sack. It wasn't like uh, there was a huge difference. Obviously, the two turnovers make a huge difference. And just the efficiency of Gardner Minshew. What, he only had one incompletion, three touchdowns. That's absurd. So, yeah, fantasy-wise, I would think about it, man. And uh, obviously, yeah, the, the, receiving, the receivers look great. I mean, Chark didn't have a huge day, but still thought he looked pretty good. Chenault fit right in. Cole, I mean, they have a solid group of skill players. And uh, if you're if you're a defense that's not going to generate a lot of pressure, which uh, they end up with a few sacks yesterday with the Colts, but just overall the defense, I mean, they, again, they don't hold – they hold the Jaguars to only 241 yards, but it just they, – they did not get them off the field. Uh, 50, uh, you know, Jacksonville is converting a lot of third downs. And just overall field position-wise, it was kind of a weird game. I, I feel like it is still an outlier for Indianapolis in terms of what their offense produced. I still think the Jaguars' defense has so many young guys that are really learning on the fly. But, I, yeah, the defense for Indianapolis is probably the bigger concern, man, because uh, you're not going to – you're going to face a lot of offenses probably with better with much better talent <laughs> than what Jacksonville has, even if I am encouraged by their skill players. It's – uh, Indianapolis' defense really a disappointing game by the end of it. Just could not get off the field and couldn't keep uh, Gardner out of the end zone. AFC South on brand. Speaking of on brand, Bears and Lions. What a what a segue. Um, the Bears win this game 27-23. to They scored 21 points in the fourth quarter to completely erase the lead, and the Lions had no business losing this game at all. <laughs> but it is Mitchell Trubisky's season. And when we talk about the waiver wire pickups here in a second, you're not going to hear me talking about this guy because I know he had three touchdowns in this game, but, man, this was a bad loss for the Lions uh, and a long line of them. Adrian Peterson almost hits the century mark. DeAndre Swift uh, missing that catch in the end zone. Uh, Matthew Stafford, this is another one of those guys. You put him on a different team, I just wonder what his career looks like at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, because it's just, man, the, this is just, it's a bad loss for the Lions. Uh, and, again, we talked about it with that whole AFC East group. I don't know what you take away from this game because this is one where the Lions had this thing in the bag and then somehow the Bears come back and win. I think the takeaway is that both these teams are probably not going <laughs> to make the playoffs. I, probably. I wasn't encouraged by the – by the Bears defense by any means. I know it's, uh, last year when Stafford was healthy, the Lions offense was pretty formidable. But, uh, yeah, they didn't generate a ton of pressure, really, and they, the Lions ran the ball pretty well, but they also balanced their play calling better, uh, you know, more so in the way I was hoping yeah. they would. They didn't overly uh, rely on the run. Maybe they got a little conservative late, and it kind of hurt them that they weren't able to finish off a lot of those drives for touchdowns, settling for field goals. That ended up being kind of the difference. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of Trubisky, I would say just look at how the defense he's facing. The Lions defense still with some turnover, but still you're not really confident that they're going to be anything but a bottom eight unit in DVOA by the end of the year. And Trubisky historically uh, has done quite well against bottom bottom fourth of the NFL defenses. So if you are going to play him, I would just always look at the defense he's facing and completely go matchup based because otherwise, yeah, I'm still not going to trust him. But he has done this against the Lions. It's like uh, pretty sure his career numbers aren't better against any of the team he faces. He he just seems to eat them up, and yeah, obviously, it all all the things the Lions blew would have not been an issue if Swift just catches that pass. I was 
I was just a, like that's the Lions basically, man. I was I was definitely hurt by that. I was you know what Stafford looked great on that last drive again. He's had some great game winning drives, and of course you know just for them that way, man. Brutal, brutal stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, oof, Lions, man. I, I don't know, but see, like I, Lions fans are probably like, you know what? That's was, that was nothing compared to some of the losses they've had over the years. Oh. So, uh, yeah, not ideal. Raiders and Panthers. Uh, I went out on a limb, picked the Panthers here, but uh, the Raiders found a way to get it done, and I thought it was actually pretty impressive for the Raiders to do that uh, because you know a road game and. I don't know. Like, I, I think this is one where Josh Jacobs, man, he is just – he's someone that I think is so good. And for the Raiders mm-hmm. to, to figure out the best ways to use him, I feel like they're finally understanding that. And, of course, he's just – sometimes he's just going to break off runs himself. But I feel like they're putting him in spots and they're giving this offense opportunities to make plays. Henry Ruggs, I mean, you know, he had the one long play of I think it was 45-something yards. Um, of course, he got mm-hmm. he, he got injured at some point, but he came back in. So – this is one where – this is one of those games I think the Raiders would have lost maybe two or three years ago. But yeah. the fact is that they found a way to win it. And to start the season on the road and get a win like that, um, I think there's there's something the Raiders can build off of, I think, uh, when you when you look at it from that standpoint. I mean, they almost snuck into the playoffs last year. So, yeah. I mean, it's not as much as – you know, we both didn't pick them to make it. Uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't be, like, shocked. And it's mostly because of the offense. I think the defense – yeah, definitely concerned still with Vegas's ability to stop teams, but um, obviously Carolina has a lot of good skill position players, and obviously McCaffrey headlining it. But I still didn't. The, the secondary looked more brutal than I was hoping from Vegas's end. But the offense—I mean, last year they finished in the top ten in DVOA, and they looked great on really balanced both sides of the ball. If the offensive line can stay healthy, that's a big thing for Derek Carr. He's similar to some of these quarterbacks that need time to throw, and Carolina was not generating much pressure, so that, that's not going to be the case against a lot of teams. I'll. I'll be intrigued to see Vegas play a better defensive unit uh, than they got here in Carolina. But as you mentioned, yeah, there's still something to be said about finding a way to win. And that last drive still looking really poised. So, uh, yeah, a lot of things you can build off for them. And I think Carolina, uh, all things considering, yeah, you know the defense still needs a lot of work. You know that run defense needs a ton of work. But I'd be intrigued by or, you know, at least excited and happy with the performance of that offense and Teddy Bridgewater in that first game. Definitely looked a little better tonight. The worst team in the NFL from a point differential standpoint right now is the Cleveland Browns. 38-6. to They lose at Baltimore, and my goodness, it's just, listen, I I don't know. We, we did say, we were like, we are not picking them to make the playoffs, but we did also say we could see them as one of those teams that maybe if you figure some things out, um, they they could make the playoffs and they could be a team that that, that surprise team. Like I said, I picked them as my surprise team. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't pick them to make the playoffs, but I thought okay, if there's going to be somebody that could break out, maybe it's the Browns. Well, still could be. There's 16 weeks to go, but this was not a good start. And maybe that's just a sign of the Ravens being very very good once again this season. The Browns had yeah. no answer for them. Um, you know they uh, Baker just Baker didn't look good, and this offense no. is still a mess. Uh, I know the Ravens' defense is good, but I just I don't know how the Browns are this bad on offense when they have all of these weapons that they have. Like Kareem Hunt. Like Kareem Hunt yesterday, like he looked like the Kareem Hunt of old in terms of the way he ran the ball. Um, you know, he had 13 carries for 72 yards. Mm-hmm. Like Nick Chubb, obviously he looked pretty good too, but it's they have so many different options they can go to in this offense. And I, I just I don't know what it is. Like, are the Ravens so dominant that this Browns team could only find a way to score six points? Yeah. And does it start at the quarterback position? I'd say probably so. 
You don't see a lot of teams scoring three or sorry, having over 300 yards and only coming away with six points. Yeah. In terms of total yards, they weren't so far behind Baltimore. Uh, the big difference, Baltimore six for 11 on third down, the Browns three for 12. But yeah, I mean, Baker, there was some pressure to get sacked twice, but it wasn't like overwhelming. I wouldn't say the Browns offensive line played as well as you'd hoped with the additions they made and what our expectations are compared to last year. But Baker still got, was getting confused at, at times that, uh, it wasn't so much just because of pressure, just what he's seeing, and that that's more concerning I think, yeah. if you're a Browns fan. Uh, obviously, the defense has had some injuries again leading up to the season, but that they just uh, a lot of teams are going to look bad against the Ravens' offense, but they still could not slow them down at all. So I don't really know <laughs> for the Browns where you go from here in terms of expectations. Um, I think you just hope you know it's hey it's, it's Baltimore. It is the best a team that finished with the best record in the NFL last year. It's the reigning MVP, and you just kind of you know, rinse this one out and hope that next week that Baker somehow seeing the field better. Cause yeah, that, that is the one big takeaway for me. He just, uh, even with a little bit better protection, uh, you could say it wasn't great, but it still was better and he still did not look good. Well, that was not a problem with this next game, the Seahawks and the Falcons. You talk about quarterback play, <laughs> Woo, quarterback play, Russell Wilson, 31 of 35, 322 yards, four touchdowns, man. Matt Ryan, 37 of 54, 450 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Um, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, 1A, 1B. Give me Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan, 2A and 2B going forward in fantasy. Like these, because of their situations, Russell Wilson's just got a situation where the Seahawks are going to be great. Matt Ryan is clearly back in the situation where he's going to have to throw it 50 times a game for the Falcons to win against good competition. Um, So... I don't know. Like this is this is another one where how crazy is it? Like the Falcons have three receivers go over 110 yards mm-hmm. receiving. Russell Gage 114 yards. Calvin Ridley 113. Of course Julio with 157. Uh, but it's like, are the Falcons going to be back in that same scenario? I'm not ready to go there just yet. I think the Seahawks, as we said, are just a a great team. Um, maybe the Falcons. It's, we shouldn't be that concerned. I mean, we didn't pick them to make the playoffs, but yeah. maybe they're going to be okay. Uh, but ooh, man, the Seahawks—they're—they're they're good. I think if the Seahawks called this game like we've seen them in past years, the Falcons would have stood more of a chance. But this is the scariest thing: is that the the Seahawks let Russ cook finally, and obviously yes. throwing the ball 35 times, only 20 rushes, with three of those being his own scrambles. So, <laughs> yeah, if I'm a Chris Carson fantasy owner, I'm a little concerned about uh, uh-huh. obviously Carlos Hyde getting more carries, but also just how much they're going to be running the ball. I think they're finally giving into this. So, yeah, big up for. Anyone who has one of the – if you have Greg Olson, he obviously gets a touchdown, but I think his targets will go up. Obviously, Metcalf and Lockett are the two, though, that are – if you're an owner of either of those guys, I have Metcalf in one of my leagues. That was a pretty fantastic (laughs) touchdown there. But obviously, they converted most of their drives for touchdowns. The Falcons end up with more yards, but Russell Wilson just so efficient. The thing – it's not like the the Seahawks were dominant on third down. The the point is that they avoided third downs with only nine of them the entire game, and that's because they were letting – Russ, they were throwing the ball early downs, and I think yep. they were fourth or fifth. I saw somewhere on Twitter this morning um, in terms of how often they threw an early down. So that is scary for me as a Rams fan, for anyone in the NFC that's a contender, is that uh, even if the Seahawks' defense is underwhelming and still can't get that much pressure on you, uh, <laughs> that offense is really scary. And Russell Wilson, I, I'll be shocked you know, if he doesn't at least get one MVP. MVP vote finally obviously it's, it's still crazy he's never had a single MVP vote in his entire career but I think if they keep calling games like this he's definitely going to get up there hey another guy that could get an MVP vote Kyler Murray Cardinals 24 to 20 win at the 49ers and this is exactly the setup we talked about of course we didn't pick them to win this game but we said with this division 
the Cardinals, I mean, mm-hmm. man, like, like, and that's what we were talking about. Like, the Rams could be the worst team in this division, but then, of course, the Rams come out and win. Yes, they went on Sunday night, too. And it's like, you look at this division, holy cow, man. These are going to be mm-hmm. the most exciting games of the season in this division because all four of these teams, and, of course, the 49ers lost this game, and everybody's going to be talking about that, but I think you got to look on the other side and say, I know Kyler, he wasn't perfect in this game by any means, but when you got DeAndre Hopkins there now, like that adds another element to this offense. And the fact that, you know, he almost got, Kyler Murray almost got 100 yards rushing on the ground. I, I don't know. Like, this is one of those teams where maybe the 49ers defense isn't going to be as good as it was last year. But when you watched how the Cardinals on offense kind of did what they did in this game mm-hmm. and just found ways to make it easy at times, and I know we're saying, I mean, they only scored 24 points, but. At the same time, you look at this team, and I'm like, this is going to be like my new Dolphins this year. I, I, I never, like, I never thought they were going to be the worst team in the NFL by any means, but like, they they have become must watch. I think for the Cardinals, just the way that they play, and now with DeAndre Hopkins there, you've got Kyler Murray clearly emerging as a star. This is a great win for the Cardinals. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they they matched up pretty well with the Niners last year. We talked about that when we did the previous for each division. They barely. If they were right in those games till the end um, against San Francisco, obviously they win this one. And, I, you know, I wouldn't take too much away from it in terms of the Niners, in terms of their, obviously, the health and receiver, I think, played a huge role in their struggles in offense. Kittle obviously came back in the game after his injury, but still didn't, still wasn't able to have as big of a, a performance. So they were second or two for 11 on third down, too. That's kind of where it came down to the, the end. Jimmy Garoppolo at times did not look fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but again, a lot of his weapons weren't there. And some turnover on the defense. I just think Kyler also is a, just, again, a bad matchup for what they do well. They can generate pressure. He's just going to find a way to at least not have, take those negative plays that San Francisco gets so often against other teams. So uh, definitely intrigued by the Cardinals. I still think their defense is not fantastic. I think they're going to be in a lot of high-scoring games. But, yeah, for fantasy-wise and just for – you're feeling really good about where you are with, with picking Kyler, obviously, moving on from Josh Rosen as he sits and watches the Bucks saints game in the, yep. uh, the practice squad, and you have him just coming out here and – even though his rating isn't super high, I think I think Kyler still looked great. The the running game looked pretty good too, um, just overall. So, yeah, man, I, I don't. There, I think. I mean, yeah, this division is just ridiculous. The thing is, even though like I still feel like probably the Niners and Seahawks are the best two teams. I don't know if there's like a huge gap between all four of them. They all do certain things well. Yeah. All are well coached. I just. Man, it's going to be a crazy race, and that's the only re- the only reason. Again, I think it's going to be tough for all four teams to get in. Is <laughs> just because they're going to all beat up on each other like this. I don't know, but if by the time the NFL watches all four of these teams play throughout the season, they may just say, "All right, that's it. We're not taking anybody from the NFC East. We're taking four teams from the NFC West, and let's roll with it." Um, because we we don't know what the NFC East is going to look like. But uh, obviously we're kidding. That was what we said in terms of uh, overreaction. Everything we say, uh, remember, we are the same people who jumped on the Cincinnati Bengals bandwagon after one week last year, and they didn't even win the game. Like We, we, we were in love with the Bengals last year at the Seahawks. They didn't even win, and we were like, oh, yeah, this Bengals team, they're going to make some moves. But clearly it didn't happen. So keep that in mind. Uh, we all love overreacting. Uh, this is just one week. Uh, the only sample size we have. But that takes us to uh, wrapping up here with our waiver wire pickups. Uh, because I think you look at some of these guys, Dylan, and that's what we talk about. There are going to be people rushing to the waiver wire uh, spot here to pick up some of these guys. And some of them are very warranted. But at the same time, please keep this in mind. Don't go out and drop 
Uh, for example, I use the 49ers defense as my example here. Remember, <laughs> they because I have them in the clutch points league. Remember, they played the Cardinals. Fantastic emerging offense. And mm-hmm. up next for the 49ers, they get the Jets, the Giants. Um, who is it? Someone else. And then I think they get the Dolphins maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Dolphins. To look at it. So, so remember, just don't overreact in one week when it comes to certain players or certain defenses uh, with that. But, Dylan, let's talk about some of these. Uh, I've got my list here. The running back group, well, we'll run through these pretty quickly. Okay. Uh, Naheem Hines, look, I mean, he, I think it's a no-brainer. Like, he's he's got to be a top target. He may wind up being the number one guy on my list uh, when I put it together uh, for clutch points. It'll go up on Tuesday morning. He may be the number one guy uh, just because of, obviously, we know Marlon Mack's injury. Some of the other guys I have in this spot, uh, Peyton Barber, Malcolm Brown, yeah. Joshua Kelly, Adrian Peterson, I'm still – he would probably be on the lower end of this group uh, just because that Lions backfield, I just don't think you want any part of it. Chase Edmonds uh, also in this running back group here. Yeah, I think uh, Joshua Kelly, definitely an interesting one in terms of his role. I, I don't know – I don't think he's going to be like a dominant fantasy player, but definitely I feel like uh, some of these guys that are on more than 50% of rosters over him, I think he's a good option, as you mentioned. Uh, the other one I kind of was looking at, obviously Malcolm Brown. You don't really know what the Rams are going to do week to week yeah. if Cam Akers' role is going to kind of grow as it goes on. But it is clear that Malcolm is going to be the guy on third down situations um, and – uh, in the red zone that they're going to go to when they feel like they just need to get a yard or two. So in terms of that, he's definitely going to be, if you are an Acres owner, he's going to be vulturing probably a number of your touchdowns potentially. And also they, they threw to him a decent amount more than yep. more than I kind of expected. So uh, that that is another part to be intrigued by. But, yeah, I think Hines, as you say, that's the one that's like a no-brainer. If you can get him, go get him. <laughs> Biggest no-brainer on the board. Any position we talk about, uh, wide receivers, Here's the group, uh, Sammy Watkins, Anthony Miller, Alan Lazard, LaVisca Chenault, Russell Gage. I'm probably, Alan Lazard is probably mm-hmm. going to be at the top of that board, of course, if we're talking about these guys in terms of potential pickups. Sammy Watkins, the thing is, I know he plays in that offense, and that's the most appealing part, but it's, I feel like you never know, like, right? Because didn't we do the same thing with Sammy Watkins last yeah. year where <laughs> he started off really hot, and it was like, okay, and then it just sort of, you never know because there's so many weapons. So that's a hard one for me. Uh, Anthony Miller, though, I will say, I think that's a pretty obvious one because uh, aside from Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson, like I think those are clearly the two guys for for the Bears in terms of that passing game. Um, So he's an option for sure, but I think Alan Lazard and and the others, uh, the Russell Gage one, I mean, maybe there is value, but I want to see more with with the Falcons. Like, are they going to be bad on defense to where we're seeing this every game where Matt Ryan's throwing it 45 to 50 times? If so, Russell Gage is an obvious pickup. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, I'm not ready to go there with the Jags just yet, but Alan Lazard, <laughs> I think that's another no-brainer for me. Yeah, Lazard and Marquez, I feel like both those guys for the Packers. Oh, yeah, one I of forgot them to put him on there. Be... Yeah, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's the other one. His, his, his is, I think, actually lower than um, Lazard. Yes. So, yeah, those two, yeah, no doubt. Only one per one point nine percent of leagues oh. have uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling yeah. owned. So, yeah, I mean week to week, I don't think both of those guys are going to get a huge like have number performances like this. But at least one of them, I won't be surprised. Yeah. Even if Devontae Adams is eating up all of the targets, like those, someone else is still going to be a big part of that passing game. So, yeah, Chanel, like you said, I don't know if I believe completely in the Jaguars yet. <laughs> Obviously, they will see as the year goes on. But I do think. And they have a lot of other talented guys. I think Chark is still going to be your number one. They still have Cole and all these guys that are pretty solid. So, 
I don't know. It's Sammy Watkins. Yeah, it's the same reason I outside of Tyreek Hill, there's there's a lot of great talented players like Demarcus Robinson and uh, Nicole Hardman, all these guys, but none of them week to week. You don't really know who's going to be the guy, and it's just tough to rely on that. Yeah. Whereas, uh, yeah, obviously there's some other decent options in here. I mean, Anthony Miller, like you mentioned, I – I would, you know, it's the same kind of way I say, like, when Trubisky, he performs really well against bad defenses. I would look at those same kind of games where you'd think about if you had Trubisky playing him because of the matchup, and then that would be the time that you'd probably play Anthony Miller. He's he's had these games where, against really bad defenses, I think of the game last year against Washington, obviously he scored, like, three touchdowns in that one. That's not going to happen week to week. But he just does eat. They do uh, perform pretty well passing the ball against these bad defenses. So at that point, yeah, Miller becomes a pretty good target and has a lot of chemistry with Mitch. Yep, the two lesser uh, of the uh, positions that you're probably going to have a lot of movement at. Uh, probably not going to be a ton of uh, mixing and matching here, but quarterback and tight end. Uh, of course, Joe Burrow's mm-hmm. on this group. Uh, he's under that 50% mark. Um, and Gardner Minshew, yes, I don't know how, I don't know why, but he's, I mean, why not, right? Right now, like if you <laughs> if you need him, like he's there. I don't know, I don't know that you're going to start him unless you're in a two quarterback league right now. Uh, but uh, he is there, and I will say, I don't know, maybe it's just one of those things where he's an option, and the reason why he's an option is because of their upcoming schedule. They play at the Titans in Week 2, but then Week 3 they get the Dolphins, Week 4 they get the Bengals, so Gardner Minshew could actually be a pretty intriguing possibility if uh, you've got someone which, again, if you for some reason have Mitchell Trubisky or something as your starting quarterback, uh, and remember, two quarterback leagues, I get it, so there may be spots where you've had to, to mix and match guys, Tyrod Taylor, someone like that maybe, um, you know, at least you, you have options if you need either one of those guys, uh, Joe Burrow, pick him up, man, he's going to be the man. Tight end, Dallas Goddard, O.J. Howard, I'll tell you, I think these two are also kind of no-brainers mm-hmm. because the tight end position, as we know, I mean, beyond, like, that top group, sometimes there's not a whole lot there, but it's clear that these two are going to be very, very involved, I think, in their offense. For anybody who thought that Gronk was going to kind of be, you know, that overwhelming favorite at tight end, I know it's only one game, but I don't know that we ever should have really expected that. Um, And then with Goddard, as we said, the Eagles are just, I don't know, the the Eagles are just a team that – they need people to target, and Zach Ertz and Dallas mm-hmm. Goddard are probably the two favorite targets. Um, I know Deshaun Jackson's there and everything, but uh, Jalen Rager could break out. But I think these two are, are actually some of the better pickups of the week. I know it's at the tight end position, but I think these two guys are probably going to be in store for, for pretty good seasons. Yeah, I would feel confident about both of them in terms of their share, obviously, with Howard, you're a little more concerned about the sheer number of yeah. uh, targets that he's going to get compared to Goddard. You feel a bit better about what he's getting the week to week, even though he's the number two tight end there. I, I still feel like he can put up tight end one number. So, yeah, both great options. I think out of the quarterbacks you mentioned, Burrow's the only one I'd feel like I'd feel good about starting on a regular basis, as you do uh, <laughs> in our in our league. But, yes. um, the, like, the other guys, like, yeah, Gardner, depending on the matchups and uh, obviously this – Maybe you wouldn't have thought that necessarily for sure against the Colts. I would even consider also for matchup-wise for Kirk Cousins. I know he's yeah. not the most trendy pick, but <laughs> it really depends on how deep your league is because otherwise, yeah, you look at the top guys, and for the most part, outside of what Breeze and, and then maybe on the on the fringe, depending on how deep your league is, you have Carson Wentz. These guys still put up pretty good numbers across the board, like yeah. from Cam to Aaron Rodgers to Josh uh, Allen, Matt Ryan, everyone, Kyler, Dak, everyone put up solid 
good numbers, even if they weren't all like crazy. So uh, it really depends. Yeah, if you're in a two QB league, there's a lot of good options, but I would always just go based on matchups and maybe not going with Philip Rivers, even though he puts up almost 17 points. But that's against Jacksonville. I'm a little concerned what we're going to see and see how much they're actually running the ball because of that offensive line. And obviously they lose Mac, but still have Hines and uh, Taylor's great options. Yep. So there you go. Defense, I, I looked at it, and I'll tell you, the only team – Probably Washington is the only one, but when you look at their upcoming schedule, it's not great. So mm-hmm. I'm not going that route yet. As you no. said, don't don't make any don't make any swift movements on some of these uh, moves. And remember, it's only one week. Don't go out and drop half your team. Don't do it. Please don't, because that is what some people may do, and then they wind up wondering how did they pick up eight free agent waiver wire pickups in the first week, and their entire team looks different. Uh, don't be the person to do that, because uh, remember, one week, only a small sample size guys will get better and uh, there will be injuries all that kind of stuff so keep that in mind but uh, there we go Dylan a uh, longer episode but you know what this is going to be we're so excited we have football back <laughs> we're excited about it we want to talk about it and that's what we're doing uh, here with this episode but of course we have a lot of great stuff uh, going on over clutch points uh, as we keep up with all the action going on in the NFL and of course the NBA playoffs uh, as well we're getting down to the uh, the, the fun part uh, where we are almost to the NBA finals hard to believe uh, but mm-hmm. uh, we will be there soon enough. Uh, let everybody know where they can find all of that. Yeah, now that the NFL is back, you can follow those games in the Clutch Points app as, as long as well as obviously uh, the MLB season, only a couple weeks left in the regular season. NBA playoffs, conference finals. We'll see if the Clippers manage to, to not blow it and <laughs> finally make the conference finals for the first time ever in their franchise history. Yeah, as you can follow all those games. In the Clutch Points app, you can also go to our website, clutchpoints.com, to the NFL section for all of our NFL content. Search fantasy football for the fantasy content. We'll have tomorrow Blake's waiver wire pickups. Basically, a lot of the guys we just talked about (laughs) will be, uh, I'm sure, mentioned in there as you make your waiver claim. So we'll have that. We'll have later in the week the Stardom Sidham articles. So all that can be found on, on the site if you just search fantasy football. And, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> our first uh, post-week episode. Maybe next week, wrap it up with some of these ones. I <laughs> tend to just go on because, yeah, just so excited because there's a lot to, to talk about now with all these games. And maybe as the year goes on, certain teams won't be as intriguing. But right now, even the teams that aren't that good, I, I feel like there's still things to say about them. Yep. Uh, and you know what? At one point in this offseason, we were thinking ahead, wondering, are we going to be doing you know uh, podcasts in September and October, November, like reviewing the 1995 oh, yeah. Super Bowl or something because we didn't have anything else to do? Uh, but you know what? No, we have games, and that's what we wanted. Uh, we finally got there, and uh, so there you go. Uh, but, yes, check all that out at Clutch Points. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, any podcast app you use. And uh, thanks, as always, to the fine folks at uh, Blue Wire for all that they do. And thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next time here on the Established Fast Podcast. And uh, we're talking about games being back. And, of course, uh, that means to wager on the action, you got to go to bet online. Uh, the wait is over. Football is back. And you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be on the action at bet online. Bet online is even going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, bet online has it all and gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day 
Just head over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.